You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, over the last several weeks, we've just had this this uh, this one word, this one message that the Lord has said, and he's, he's saying it again just as a reminder that we must give Him the pain of the previous season. There are things that got us through individually, corporately. There are things that got us through the previous season that we cannot take into this next one. There are things that we used as tools that the Lord has said, you must leave that behind and you must carry on. There are new things for us. And one of those things is the ashes from the previous season. The hurt, the things that we lost, the things that we longed for, the the dreams, the people, the visions, the things that we had thought would be the unanswered prayers. The prayers that we prayed from within ourselves that the Lord wouldn't answer in the way that we thought He was going to answer them, right? That is so many of our so many of my own ashes in my own life was when I took vision from God and I began to interpret it within myself, and then from that interpretation that I created, I began to pray. And the Lord will not honor those prayers because those are not for Him. They're not to Him. They're for me. And I recognized over this last season, man, I had a lot of unanswered prayers that were founded in myself and not in the Lord. And it was a lot of ash that I had to give Him. An example of, you know, I've, I've talked about this before, but I had prayed for when I would take over and what that would look like. And I had this interpretation in my mind of what the Lord said He would do. And then I take it and I process it in myself and then I begin to pray from that place of preference that I establish on how this time would look. It didn't look like that, people. Alright? It did not once look like that. has not yet looked like that. So I need to let those things go. There are things that we cannot carry into this previous season hurt that we cannot continue to bring with us. And what a good God. He would not lead us into new things with the hurt of previous things but that we could lay those down, that we could go into this season fully capable of receiving all that He has for us in this season. Amen? Isn't that a beautiful thing? He's a good and perfect Father that does not give us more than we can handle, and He will withhold blessing until we give Him what is rightfully His. And that pain that we've carried is His. He paid a price for it on the cross that we would not have to live with it. It's His. He is building us up. As a memorial, I heard this in a a sermon this last week, and I love this. He is building the church up as a memorial of who He is and what He has done and all that He will do again. We are living stones for the foundation of the kingdom of heaven and what the Lord is doing in it. We are living stones. Testament to what He has done and what He will do. We are monuments that the Lord has made in His name. God is making His appeal through us. The church is the resting place for the glory of the Lord, and the church is the revelation of the glory of the Lord. The church is the answer. In this season, the church is the answer. In every season, the church has always been intended to be the answer. Otherwise, why would Jesus leave to send us His Holy Spirit? The ministry of reconciliation given to us that we, the body of Christ. What was the first thing the Spirit did? He consumed man. He led them in His will, not their own, for the first time ever. 
being led without the audible voice of God, without a cloud overhead or, or a, 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 a waves parting the sea, just the presence of him indwelling in man for the first time and now leading them and giving them words to say that were not their own. And in this, in just 40 verses, the church is born. And it's a church that is not born because of leadership, it's born by the Spirit of God. Not because of man's doing, because of the Spirit of God's doing. All that man did was say yes to what he had. No preference, no preconceived notion. Can you imagine being in such a place as the disciples, as the apostles were, as Jesus has finally left? He was, he, he was raised from the dead, he dwelt among them, and then now he was really gone. And they were alone for a period of time. And they had just seen their, their master, their, 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 uh, their priest, their shepherd, killed upon a cross. And I don't think that people had their thirst for blood. I don't think it was satisfied just yet. As we see, as this continues on through uh, the book of Acts, the persecution that we see of, of the church and the men and women of God. They had no idea what the Lord was going to do. And there is a beautiful thing about not knowing what the Lord is going to do, but only looking and seeing impossible in front of you. That's a beautiful place to be. To where I have no idea how the Lord is going to do what he said he's going to do. Because Jesus didn't leave them without vision. He told them what was going to happen. They had no idea. They had no comprehension. And we live in those same exact days, though we've dwelt with the Spirit. And we've had the Spirit. We've only known a world where the Spirit has been released. We weren't there when the Spirit hadn't been released from heaven. We've only existed in a world where the Spirit, we have full access to Him if we want Him. We only exist in that place. But we exist in the same place that they did in the day of Pentecost in the sense that what is before us is impossible. And there is no experience in my life that I can hold to to help me define what tomorrow has for me. There is nothing in my world that can define and tell me what tomorrow is going to look like. It is only Jesus. It is only by the Spirit of God and His revelation that we can know what to do, where to be, what to say, when to say it, and when to be silent, when to pray, when to worship. We will only ever know those things by His leading because none of us can come up with the timing and get it right. You hear what I'm saying to you? It is only by the Spirit of God that we can be led. We are the answer to the world. Judges 21 or chapter 21 verse 25 in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes this is how Christians this is how we as Christians have lived up to this point as as a vast majority we have lived by doing what is right in the Lord and my own eyes my relationship with God is my own no you can't see it you can't look at it it's hidden from you right we have people that it's like would would you pray? And they're like, no, 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 I don't, I, don't, I don't like praying in front of people. The body of Christ, who I'm made for, members one of another. We have, we have hidden our relationship with God from one another, and we have done what is right in our own eyes based on what we think the Lord wants us to do individually. And that cannot be the model for church anymore. How many churches, I, I have been to those and you have been to those where they go and it's just about Sunday morning, everybody puts on their Sunday morning makeup, everybody's smiling, everybody's real happy. And if you're not happy, we'll just dim the lights and turn on the fog and then you can't see each other, right? That's just the best way to deal with depressed people, turn out the lights and you can't see if they're hurting. 
That's been the church. There's no depth in the body. We submit to, to a pastor and his leading, and we think, he's, he's got me covered. He's going to lead. He's going to establish the kingdom on my behalf. He's got it. That is not it. That is not, that is not the purpose, right? We are meant to be members, one of another, leading in this together. We are the image of God, all of us, not one of us. But we as Christians have done what is right in our own eyes to this point. And we just need to understand that our experiences will not bring freedom and they will not set you free either. The things that you've experienced in your own personal walk, in your own time with the Lord, those are not the answer to everything that the world needs to see is your own personal experience because in that place there is not freedom for the world around you. Only by the Spirit of God and you being led by the Spirit of God. We cannot be led by our experiences as a church any longer. Because if we are led by our experiences, guess where we're going? We're going right back to the starting line where we started. We will always repeat the things that have already been done. And do you have any interest in doing that? I have no interest. It's so boring. You guys are cool, but no thank you. I don't want to do the things that we were doing 30 years ago. I don't want to live. I don't want this church to be the same church that it was 20 years ago. We are made for an ever-increasing glory, are we not? One degree of glory to the next, and the Lord desires to do new and wonderful things, but our experience can no longer be the guide from which we turn to. That time is over. That time where we, where we pursue and we just focus on the individual Christian and not the corporate body. If the Lord is doing something in you, do you think it stops for simply you? He is doing it for it to be released in the corporate body. Everything He does in you is for me. And everything He does in me is for you. We are members one of another. How can we be members one of another and not be affected by the things that are happening in our individual stories? They are meant to be blessings to us. It is time for the things that are existing in your story, the things that are existing in my story to be reflected in the body. We are members, again, one of another. So when he moves in you, it is to build up the body. We cannot be guided by what is right in my own eyes any longer. There is no unity in that. We must be united by the Spirit of God, the living and active presence of the Father. Amen? Turn with me to 1 Samuel. We'll be in chapter 2. It's where we'll start. And then we'll jump around a little bit. This is just a word that I want to speak over this house. That the Lord is just quickening me. It's for us. It's for the church. And I can't emphasize this enough. It is blowing my mind week after week. I've just got, I've become so hungry to hear what the Lord is doing in the, in the corporate, the global body. Because it is so fun for me to hear pastors speak things that have been spoken here. And we have no connection. Those that I know and trust are operating in the Spirit of God to hear the exact same things that we have heard articulated here, articulated there, and to hear a piece that we don't have that we can add to here and a piece that they don't have that is like, oh, well, the Lord is piecing that into there. It's beautiful, and it is so exciting, and it's so much fun. It's so entertaining to just hear, and it just so proves to be, it just so proves the presence of God and His his activeness through us, that we all operate with the same Spirit and we're united by that same Spirit. And He desires to do good things in the global body, not just in this house. 
But we cannot be guided by what is right in our own eyes any longer. 1 Samuel 2, verse 35. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. The Lord seeks to do that in this place through you all. He speaks this over each and every one of you. You have been called to be priests to this community. I have been called to be the pastor of this church, but you have been called to be priests to this city. It is not mine to do alone. It is ours to do together. It's not mine to do alone, and it's not yours to do alone at the same time. My job is not to just tell you what to do and then watch you go do it. The vision that the Lord, one of the first visions when I was sitting there before the anointing that happened up here all those years ago, nearly four years ago, when we were, I was anointed to be head pastor over this church. And I was sitting there, the first thing the Lord showed me before that time even happened, the first thing He showed me was a group of people arm in arm leading a community together. There was not one person that was in front. But there was a line of people linked together, united by the Spirit of God. Before I could even get to you and tell you what the Lord was doing and what He was wanting to do, He had already spoken it to you. So what I would do is I would just articulate things that had already become true for you. And you would articulate things that had already been spoken and true in me. And that is what the Lord desires in this house. But you have been called to be priests to this community, to do according to what is in His heart. And right now, the Lord is asking things of you. He's asking for your ashes. But it doesn't just stop there. He is asking for things of you. He has been asking me specifically for my time. And now he's asked me this a lot. But he's he's changing the time that he needs from me. And it's my job to give it to him. And it's my choice to do it or not. But he is asking things for me. And just to clarify what this is for you, just to recognize for a, for, a, for a quick second that sometimes when we think the Lord is going to ask us for something, ask something of me, we go to this place that God wants our stuff. And what you have, what do you have that he doesn't? And what do you have that he needs? And what can you give to a God who paves his streets in gold? There is nothing. And so if he is asking you for something, just and he may not be asking you yet, but that time is coming. He is asking us for things before we can enter into this next season. He's asking for our time. He's asking for our minds. He's asking for us to engage with one another. Already there are things that he's asking of us, but... If he is asking for something from you, it is because it is a hindrance to you becoming and to stepping into all that you're made for, period. It is not for your detriment, it is for your good. If he is asking you for something, it is because it literally goes against what you're created for, and it is preventing you from operating in the fullness of that. Can you receive that? Do we trust that he's good and works all things for the good of those that love him, or do we not? then what do we have that I would not freely give him? Because he's working for my good. Selfishly, he's working for my good, but I also know at the same time he is working for the good of those around me like I can never see or ever imagine, right? I love this testimony of Kennedy and Debbie. We prayed for healing, and the Lord said he would release healing. 
But did they, in that moment where they sat in those chairs and we prayed for that first moment of healing, did he just remove the cancer from their body like that? No. That's not what he did. Because there was healing in store for multiple people, not just those that were plagued with cancer. And now we've seen the fruition of those with cancer and they have no cancer, but what is the mark that has been left? Healing for many. Tell me the last time you were in a hospital and doctors turned to the Spirit of God before they turned to their medicine. Come on. It doesn't happen, but it does now. When teams of doctors and nurses are led by the Spirit and interceding, standing in the gap, that is the church, is it not? Is that not a beautiful image of God and what He's doing and what He's asking for us? He's just asking for our time because He desires to do good and beautiful things. And He's asking us to trust Him because He works good things on our behalf. And we've seen it. We've seen it. He didn't heal them in that moment immediately, but it was so much better that He did it the way He did it. Because so many more lives were impacted and affected and healed because of it. Is that not healing? Not just for two, but for many. This is, we got to remember, this is the God that when he spoke all of creation into existence, it never stopped creating. So when God speaks healing into a story, it is not just to heal that one, but to heal many. Amen? Turn with me to 1 Samuel 19. And this is really the heart for me in this, in this message today, that just, this word from the Lord that just captivated my heart. And we'll read it in 1 Samuel 19. It's just beautiful. 1 Samuel 19, verse 18. Now David, just backstory, Saul's trying to kill David. Everybody caught up? Good? Cool. Now David fled and escaped, and he came at Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. There's, we can read past this very quickly, but I want us to recognize in a time of trial and a time of difficulty, where did he turn? He turned to the one who anointed him. That's where he turned. In times of difficulty, where are we to turn? The one who's anointed us for the season ahead. Amen. And he and Samuel went to uh, and lived in Neoth, and it was told to Saul, Behold, David is at Neoth and, and Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David real quick do you think those are like postmates like USPS postal service people these are warriors that he sent he just in this previous path he just threw a spear at David and just narrowly missed him trying to kill him and David's wife had to smuggle him out of the city so do you think he's just sending messengers like hey Saul just wants you to come back if you'd be a you're cool with that let's just go no they're going to take David to kill David that is their job that's the message that they come to bring then Saul sent messengers to take David and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as head over them the spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied when it was told Saul he sent other messengers and when they also prophesied and Saul sent uh, messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. I like to think that these guys are probably getting bigger too, increasing in size and, and scariness. Verse 22, Then he himself went to Ramah and came to the great, uh, the great well that is in uh, Secu. I don't know. 
And he asked, where are Samuel and David? This is Saul that has gone out because his messengers aren't doing the job. Where is Samuel and David? And one said, behold, they are at Neoth and Ramah. And he went there to Neoth and Ramah. And the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Neoth and Ramah. So he wasn't even there. The messengers got there and began to prophesy. Saul was just in the region. And the Spirit of God fell upon him and he began to prophesy. Verse 24, And he too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel, and lay naked all that day and all that night. Thus it is said, the people began to murmur, is Saul also among the prophets, prophesying over David's reign and taking his throne? Is Saul also among these prophets? And it's not really talked about, but it is a beautiful thing to think that these people came. These first messengers, first messengers came to a group of people that were already prophesying. Where the Spirit of God had already descended upon them. Samuel and David pursuing the heart of God and the people around them pursuing the heart of God that they ushered in such a presence that wicked men began to prophesy in accordance to what the Lord had spoken. This is what happens when a community gives themselves to one thing. This is what happens when a people give themselves to the only thing, the only thing that transforms, the only thing that really matters is that an encounter with God breaks out and that the worst of the worst start to experience the presence of God. Amen? That is the only thing that matters in this community is that the community, these people here, would experience the presence of God because of us who usher it in, who pursue it ourselves, that it has so heavily fallen upon us that them just coming in the region, the Spirit of God would descend upon them as well. Is that not what we've prayed? That this city would look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country that as people drove in, just crossing into the city limits, they would encounter the presence of God. Is this literally not what we've prayed? Straight out of Scripture, Lord has prophesied that He would do it in this place as He did it then. He is the only thing that transforms. And He is the only thing that we should give ourselves to. People looked at the worst of the worst, which was Saul in the story, a man who had repeatedly tried to kill David. And asked if he was a prophet because of how God rested on him. He could not see his actions anymore. They could only see what was happening right there. And the Lord had so consumed him that they thought, surely he is a prophet. That the very person he came to kill, he would lay naked and bare before and prophesy of his reigning. And of the Lord establishing him on the throne. That's the presence of God that I want released over this city. And the Holy Spirit is fanning this flame. He's ripping off the limitations that would tell you that that cannot be you. Because He has called you here for such a time as this that you would be these people. You would be these people that give yourselves to this one thing. The only thing which is Him in the presence of God and would be so devoted to the presence of God not just individually but corporately that we together as a body would pursue the kingdom of God and the presence of God so heavily with everything that we are that as people entered in the Spirit of God would fall upon them even if they hadn't received Him as Lord and Savior the Spirit of God would rest on them so heavily that you would not be able to tell the difference among the prophets. 
He would not know where it started and where it ended. You would only know that people are prophesying of what God is doing in His presence has consumed them. The worst of the worst would be consumed by the presence of God. And there is a land of promise before you, church. Sundown is a land of promise. Never have I experienced such rich and beautiful promises spoken over a community of 1,200 people. This tiny little place where the Lord has spoken mighty, mighty things. There is a land of promise before you. And the plan of God is on the move as we know. And this plan of God has been on the move since this church was founded. The Lord knew we would be here someday for such a time as this. And that He would call us to be such a people so devoted that whoever just simply enter the city would begin to prophesy. Because the presence of God would be so heavy upon them. That they, their physical bodies would not be able to even deny Him. Because His presence would be so thick. His heart has always been that we would walk with Him and that He would walk with His people. And the Lord is raising up the church as the answer, as the, as the vessel for which that is made possible. He has given us, again, the ministry of reconciliation, that we can reconcile, that we could build a bridge back from earth, back from the world and the people in it, to the heart of God who is for them and who has created them for Him. We get to be that. We get to be the ones, but we have got to understand that it's not I get to be the one. We get to be the ones. We, the church is the answer. You individually, you are not the answer. But with me, and with you, and with your neighbor, and with these people here, we are the answer because we are the church. And we have been anointed for such a time as this. He is enough. Recognize that there is not a part of him that has been held back from you. Hear this. Jesus tore the veil. Amen. And there is no separation now between God and man except what we believe. There is no separation between you and God except for what you believe. And so right now I'm asking, I'm asking you, do you believe there is any separation between us? Do you believe that there is any, anything separating us from Him? Because that is the only thing that can separate you. Now, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, but it will separate you from the will of God and the things that he has. You will not have eyes to see if you believe that he is not for you and he has not equipped you for this time and this day. That you are here not because of circumstance or happenstance. You are here for purpose, great anointed purpose. That when these people were prophesying in Ramah, the Lord had you in mind of what you would do in sundown. Long ago, since the beginning and the foundations of the earth, the Lord has had you in mind and He has had you anointed and set apart for such a time as this. God wants to meet you. Hear this, not just for an individual moment, but because He is fitting us together as the corporate body, uniquely carrying different gifts, but beautiful gifts, living stones. We are to be living stones as a memorial to Him and His glory of what has happened and of, of what is to come. We are be, to be living stones, not individually, but corporately together. We know that anything we desire to see corporately must first happen individually. So I'm telling you to give everything you are to Him. And then you will see a body of people that everything they are is His. And they have devoted themselves to this one thing. But understand that it, it, as you give yourself to Him, it is not just for your own benefit, it is for our benefit. 
and this community will not be led by individuals. How has that worked out as individuals have led our world? It doesn't work out very well because that is not the design in which the Lord created us that one would say this and that would be the direction of an entire people. That's not how this works. He is the only one. He is the only thing. And He desires for us to lead hand in hand together this community, the body of Christ, for we are members one of another. That all in our community would prophesy as the Spirit of God falls upon them. And we get to usher this in simply by turning to Him ourselves. Running to the one who has anointed us for such a time as this as we saw David do. He ran to the one who anointed him. And the Lord has anointed you for this season. All the Lord is asking for is a people that are laid down and will submit to the will of God in this time. Not their own, but His alone. Whatever it would look like. 1 Peter 2, verse 5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, hear this church, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. You are these things. We are really good at believing this for other people. I believe this about you. We are really bad about believing that truth for ourselves. But you are those people. You are this holy nation, this royal priesthood that has been anointed for such a time as this to establish this ever-increasing kingdom on earth today. That sundown will be a place of miracles, will be a place of the impossible, where it exists and it reigns and it goes on and on and on and never ceases. That when people enter in here, they would encounter the presence of God like they've never encountered it, that right there in that moment, their lives would be changed. They wouldn't have to come to church. They wouldn't even have to have a conversation with you. They just have to enter the city in which you dwell because you have given yourself to one thing. And that one thing has been allowed the freedom to reign in this city. And if he has allowed the freedom to reign in this city because a body of people, a house of believers, give themselves completely to him. There is no telling, just as the story of the Diaz is, there is no telling the healing and miraculous how far reaches it will go, how far and how many lives it will impact. There is no end. It will be as a ripple in a water. You can see the beginning of and you cannot begin to comprehend the links and the depths and the widths that it goes from that point on. You only see the impact. And then you quickly lose count of the size. We quickly will lose the ability to contain it. And that's the exciting thing. That what he seeks to do here, right? These messengers came and they were coming to this place where it was existing and they were prophesying. But then all of a sudden it just took somebody being in the region 
and they were prophesying. What the Lord is releasing here in Sundown and desiring to take root in Sundown, Texas is not simply for Sundown, Texas. The healing for the Diaz's was not simply for the Diaz's. It was for the lives that they would come across, that there would be healing for them as well. Because we serve a God that when he says, let there be light, light has never ceased to exist since that day. When he created the heavens and the earth, the earth has never stopped growing. When, when do you go outside and just growth just ceases to exist? It doesn't. It's impossible. Because the Lord spoke it into existence. It is who he is. And so when we give ourselves to this one thing, this vision of God, we are to totally devoted as a body of believers, not as individuals, but together as a body of Christ, members one of another, dedicated to his heart, his vision, and the things he desires to see released on this earth, partnering with all of heaven as a body. We will see it expand. That it won't just be when they enter the city limits, it'll be when they turn on to 301. And then it won't just be when they turn on, it will be the people in Leveland. It will be the people in ropes. It will be the people in Lubbock. The Spirit of God will descend upon this place in such wide variety, echoing like a ripple effect as it just increases and increases and increases that all of West Texas would be His. Can you imagine the millions of people in a region dedicated to this one thing, the only thing? That is for us. That is the job He's given us. And all he asks of us is to give him ourselves. What an easy job. That's the trade. I give you myself individually and I devote my life to what you have for me, which is only for my good, not for my detriment, not for my harm, but for my good. So you're guaranteeing me that you're going to enter me into something that is only for my good, that will bless me richly beyond my wildest dreams and immensely beyond anything I could ever comprehend. If I just simply give myself to you and at the same time, all those around me will encounter that same spirit of God and know you and walk in this same freedom. It's like the easiest choice ever. It's like being told like, hey, here's the lottery ticket that's going to win whatever billions of dollars we're at right now. And you just have to choose to take it. That's not a hard choice. Right? Is anybody in here going to be like, "Eh, I don't know. No. You'll take it. And this is what the Lord has before us, this choice. It's guaranteed to establish the kingdom of heaven and establish freedom in the lives of those around us that we would see the Spirit of God break out. That is what He said will be the result of our giving ourselves to Him. Not just individually, but corporately. Giving ourselves over individually for our corporate body to be united in this one thing. Because everything he desires to do in the corporate body, he wants to do in you, but it is for the corporate body. He wants to do big things in this house. And he's fitting us together to proclaim the excellencies of him, us who are living stones. He is all, all we need and all our trust belongs to him. He has never let us down and he'll never let us down. Can we give ourselves to this one thing? Can we be this church, the living stones, a monument, a memorial of what he's done and what he will do? That the Spirit of God would have free reign, not just in sundown, but in our entire region and state and country, that he would break out and that 
wicked men would prophesy. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.